a hundred years from now, if the Lord does not return, when history books are written about our time and our generation, I think they're going to say that our generation perfected the art of excuse-making. We really have. Now, to be sure, making excuses rather than taking responsibility is as old as the Garden of Eden. Placing the blame on someone else and avoiding taking responsibility is not new. But our generation has perfected this into an art form. Since Eve said, the devil made me do it, and Adam says, Eve made me do it, humanity has been repeating this refrain to a point, as I said now, has become acceptable. Many years ago, a friend of mine said, uh, you know, every man needs a wife because there are too many things that go wrong and you can't blame them all on the government. (laughs) In fact, I like this father of a college student who was so irate. I mean, he was so bummed at the fact that his son failed college again, and he was really going at it, and he's talking to him, and finally the boy said, he said, Dad, I thought that if I took a basket weaving courses, I am assured of an A. But then two Indians enrolled in my same class, and they raised the bar, and I flunked. (laughs) When God appeared to Moses for the first time ever in the desert, Moses had at least four excuses as to why he could not go back and rescue the people of God from the slavery of Egypt. Four, why he couldn't do what God is asking him to do. I don't want you to miss the irony here, okay? I don't want you to miss the irony. Forty years earlier, Moses thought that he is the guy who was going to deliver them from the slavery of Egypt, remember? But during those 40 years in the, with the Midianites, with all these Bedouins in the desert, Moses lost his self-confidence. Now, 40 years later, his self-confidence hit rock bottom. So listen carefully to what I'm going to tell you. We have a great God and a God who is the best bottom fisher that there is. God specializes in rescuing those who at the rock bottom, who hit rock bottom. God loves to lift up those who hit rock bottom. God does not despise the brokenhearted. As a matter of fact, David tells us that a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. It has been 40 years since the last message where we saw Moses totally broken before God after trying to do God's work Moses' way, and he failed completely. He was rejected by his own people. He had to flee home. He was stripped down from his strength, and he burned all of the bridges back in Egypt with his adopted cousin, who is now the Pharaoh. I can tell you, Moses had a sensitive spirit. He had a sense that I'm going to show you. For 40 years in the desert with the Midianites, he was brooding. He was brooding over his rejection by his own people. Nonetheless, there can be no doubt that Moses is God's man. He was God's man without a doubt. But he had to learn that he had to serve God 
God's way above all in God's timing. Now, some of you, when you get into a rough patch in your life, and we all do, but when you get through a, a rough patch in your life and, and you cry to God and say, oh, God, please help me, and that's fine. But then when He doesn't comply and He intervenes right on your timetable, you begin to think that God is deaf and He cannot hear you. You begin to think that God has forgotten you. You begin to think that if God really loved you, why hadn't He answered you by now? Believe it or not, that too God understands. He's taken all of that on the cross with Him. Now, here's our problem. Here's our problem. We often see one or two, or maybe even three sides of the issue. But God is seeing at least 65 sides of the issue. And so, for 40 years, dear old Moses wandered as a shepherd of the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro with all these Bedouins in the land of Midian. Oh, what a long, long, long way from the luxury of the palace of Pharaoh. What a long, long, long way from the pampered life at Heliopolis University. What a long, long way from the people bowing and escaping to him. Most likely, by now, 40 years later, Moses began to overcome his emotional pain. I'm going to show it to you from the Scripture. There can be no doubt that in the land of Midian, Moses' life during those 40 years probably alternated between depression and hope, between concern for the plight of his people and a sense of hopelessness, between wanting to do something and a sense of resignation. You say, Michael, how do you know that? I'm glad you asked because I want to show you. (laughs) In the Old Testament, the way they named their children is an indication of the mood of the person that was in at that time. Poor kids. <laughs> I'm going to show you from the Scripture. If you're in a jovial mood, you're going to give your kids very jovial names, upbeat names. If you're down and discouraged and depressed, you're going to give them sad names. Let me illustrate this. Do you remember Eli the priest in the temple where Samuel came and served and ministered with him. Do you remember that? Eli's daughter-in-law was expecting a baby. She was in labor, and she was about to deliver a baby. When somebody came with bad news, they said, your husband is killed in the battle, his brother was killed in the battle, and Israel lost the war against the Philistines. And she was totally depressed, so she named her son Ichabod, the glory of the Lord has departed. Rachel, the favorite wife of Jacob, Israel, you remember? She delivered Joseph. She only had two boys, Joseph. And when Joseph's brother is about to be born, Rachel was dying as she was delivering her second son. And so she knew she was dying. She's delivering the second boy, and she said, call him Benoni, meaning the son of my troubles. And his father said, no, we're going to call him Ben-Yamin, Benjamin, the son of my right hand. So this happens here with Moses, same thing. When Moses was feeling depressed after he fled out of Egypt, he named his first son Gershom, which means alien, stranger, foreigner in a foreign land. 
But then later, as he began to experience emotional healing in his life, as he became to experience all kinds of healing from that past negative experience that was horrible experience in Egypt, he named his second son Ali Aizar, which means the Lord delivered me. And he began to trust in the sovereignty of God again. Talking, of course, delivering him from the sword of Pharaoh. So during those 40 years of Moses going through God's school in the desert, and I know some of you may be going through that desert right now. You're going through a dry time right now, and you're thirsting for God right now. But the good news is that the school of the desert has only one teacher, and his name is Yahweh. And he is the best teacher. In the desert school, there are no sun worshipers like in Egypt. In the desert school, there are no nature worshipers like in Egypt. But there he meets and confronts and sees the very God who created the sun and the moon and the stars. There he meets the God who is the creator of nature. What was God saying to Moses? He was preparing Moses to put up with the most cantankerous, murmuring, complaining people on the face of the earth. (laughs) He would never have learned that in the pampered palace of Egypt. No, sir, only by working with dumb sheep could he learn how to lead these people out of Egypt. Turn with me to Exodus chapters 3 and 4. When we come here to chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, we basically see Moses about to overcome and about to experience some healing from past hurts. And just as this was happening in his life, lo and behold, God shows up. (laughs) And he doesn't show up just to say, hey, Moses, how you doing, buddy? (laughs) No, he said to him, he said, Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt. Egypt? (laughs) I've just barely got over that even getting over hearing the term Egypt without shivering. (laughs) In the burning bush. Moses sees burning, but it's not burnt out. And there, God confronts him with his past. God shut up. <laughs> and for Moses, this like tearing an old wound wide open again. Do you know what I'm talking about? On the surface, you really think that God is unkind that God is cruel to do this to Moses. And the man is about to heal. Why would God do that? Listen to me. Just as a kind and thoughtful surgeon has to cut in order to remove the cancer out of the body, many times God has to reopen that wound in order to clean it up. You see, when the wound closes with all the infection inside of it, it keeps festering. But God has to open it up in order to clean it up in order to give them complete healing, not just partial healing. God shows up in the middle of the burning bush and says to Moses, go back to Egypt. And he said, whoa, any place but that. (laughs) I wanted you to deliver my people. This time I'm doing it, not you. This time is going to be done in my name and in my power and in my timing. It is not surprising. It's not surprising unless you are super spiritual 
And you may be a super spiritual. I can tell you right now, I am not. And therefore, it's not surprising that Moses immediately came up with four different excuses (laughs) as to why he shouldn't go there. Read them with me. Four different excuses, one after the other. What is he saying to God? Here's a use of translation, okay? You're not going to find it in your Bible. A use of translation. Lord, I blew it once. I don't want to blow it again. Lord, I misunderstood your will once. I don't want to misunderstand it again. By the way, Moses did not misunderstand God's will. He misunderstood God's timing. I want to ask you this. Is God asking you to do something, and all you can think of is your past failures? If God is opening a new door for you, And all you think of is your past pain and your past betrayal and your past rejection. If there is an area in your life where God is asking you to trust Him with, but all you do is dwell on your past experience, now I'm going to plead with you, I'm going to plead with you, please think again. And so, excuse number one, verse 11, chapter 3, Exodus. Who am I? This is a Hebrew way of saying, you got the wrong man. (laughs) You got the wrong man. Who am I? Oh, what happened to Mr. Egypt? What happened to Mr. Fix-It? What happened to Pharaoh's adopted grandson? What happened to the general who led the wars and was victorious for the greatest army on the face of the earth at the time? Ah, all of that has been stripped of Moses. But that's not bad. That's not bad because he got God, right? And that's everything. Hear me right, please. Right now, some of you feeling inadequate about what God is asking you to do. Some of you are feeling incapable of doing what you believe God wants you to do. The good news is, God is announcing to you the same good news that He announced to Moses. Look at it with me in the Scripture, verse 12 of Exodus 3. I will be with you. Now, I want to hear you say it. I I will be with you. Beloved, God gives power to the brokenhearted. God strengthened the faint-hearted. God strengthened the wobbly knees. God specializes in using those who feel inadequate. God specializing in using those who have broken spirits. I And he's saying that to you as he said it to Moses. When he's with you, you've got everything. I know I'm speaking to someone who is feeling brokenness, who is feeling failure, and allowing that brokenness and failure to paralyze you. You have ceased to live for Christ. You have ceased to give of yourself. You have ceased to witness for Christ. You have ceased to do anything great for God. You have become spiritually paralyzed. You keep on holding back. You keep on rehearsing your excuses in your head. You keep on rehearsing the past. You keep on being chained to your present. And God wants you to move with the future. Excuse number one. Who am I? You got the wrong man. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Excuse number two. 
Who will I tell them send me? <laughs> now, you know this. In the Middle East, names are very important. Oh, extremely important. It's who you know, and, and it's who your family name is, and, and your family name is very important. It really is. And remember this. Moses had a big name in Egypt. He used to. His name opened doors. His name caused people to salute. His name was powerhouse. His name made things happen. His name carried enormous clout. <laughs> but that was 40 years ago, before he'd been to the school of God. When his people rejected him, when his cousin Pharaoh wanted to kill him, he went from the White House to the jailhouse. So he needed a name bigger than his own. He needed a name more powerful than his own. He needed a name that could make people sit up and take notice. And God so lovingly, so gently. I get totally broken at the kindness of God, the gentleness of God, the grace of God. Always do. I've been for 52 years, and I'm not going to stop. So lovingly, he tells him, my name is I Am. What is God saying to Moses? He's telling Moses, I am the eternal God of your forefathers. I am the God of the past. I'm the God of the present. I'm the God of the future. I am the God who bears and hears the cries of my broken people. Had God said to Moses, I was the God of Abraham, that would have made him only the God of the past. Had he said to Moses, my name is I can, that would make him the God of the present. If he said to Moses, my name is I will, that would have made him only the God of the future. But when he said, I am, means that I am the God of the past. I am the God of the present. I am the God of the future. I am the only God. No wonder when Jesus identified himself to his fellow Jews, his name was I am. I am the bread of life. I am the door to eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the way to eternal life. I am. I am. I am. I am the same one who introduced himself to Moses those many years ago. Now I'm, I'm in the flesh. Give God praise. Without Him, there can be no salvation. Without Him, there can be no forgiveness of sins. Without Him, there can be no eternal life. I am. I am. Excuse number one, who am I? Excuse number two, who are you? <laughs> Excuse number three, what if they don't believe me? Look at it, verse 1 of chapter 4, Exodus. What if they don't believe me? And here is Moses' root problem. Lord, I once thought that I could do this, but I was rejected. Please don't miss God's response, okay? Here's what God said to Moses. Moses, stop wallowing in your emotional pain and get on with it. Stop eating worms and get over it. That's not my God. <laughs> It's not in the Bible. Verses 2 to 9 of chapter 4, God ever so gently, ever so lovingly, ever so thoughtfully, He gives Moses three dramatic signs to authenticate His mission on which He's sending Moses. Your staff will become 
a snake, and then back to a staff again. Your hand will be filled with leprosy, but then it will become healed again. The river Nile of Egypt will become into blood, and then it will go back again. Not just one sign, but three signs. What a great God we worship. And finally, Moses reserved <laughs> his last and biggest excuse to the end. Verse 10 of chapter 4, excuse number 4, Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I am slow of speech. Wow. Obviously, though, his emotional pain, his emotional shock 40 years earlier caused him to stutter. I was talking to one of our doctors, members of this church, a, a dear friend, and Several years ago, we were talking. He said that sometimes I examine a patient that is absolute in pain, that absolutely no physical thing that I can point to. Beloved, emotional pain can cause physical pain. And sometimes until you deal with that, your healing is waiting. Come on now. When he experienced the pain of rejection and fear, Moses lost his mojo. He lost his charm. He lost his competence. He lost his silver tongue. He does not know how to speak anymore. And what does God do? Moses, who gave man his tongue? Isn't that I? Moses, who gave man his eyesight? Now go, but this time do it in my name and in my power and in my timing. I will tell you what to say and then have your brother Aaron help you. And after all of this loving, gentle, kind answers to all of Moses' objection, Moses was still reluctant. God then had to shake him up. If you have not experienced God shaking you up, you're not listening. God was compassionate with his fears. God was compassionate with his anxiety. God was compassionate with his physical and emotional pain. But then he saw Moses' continuous reluctance as an affront to God. And finally, Moses had to obey. But let me tell you this true story as I conclude. The man's name was Roger Simmons. He was a GI, and he just finished his military service at the end of World War II and going home. The day was May 7th. Remember that. Roger was carrying a heavy suitcase, wearing the Army uniform, and he was uh, signing the universal sign for hitchhiking with his thumb up, trying to get a ride home. And he was standing on that highway, hitchhiking a ride home, and no one would stop. Cars just kept going by, kept going by, and he almost gave up. And, but then all of a sudden, a beautiful, black, sleek Cadillac pulls in the side of the road, and the passenger door fling open. And so Roger takes his suitcase and throws it in the back seat, and he sits next to the driver's host, who is immaculately dressed, obviously a well-to-do man. And the man who was driving the car asked Roger, he said, uh, going home for good? He said, yes, sir, sure am. Were you in luck if you're going to Chicago? And Roger said, not that far, sir. Not that far. Do you live in Chicago? And the man said, yes, I have a major business in the city of Chicago. My name is Hanover. 
And he handed him the card, his business card, Hanover Enterprises. And the man began to go through a battle inside of him. Should I share Christ with him? Should I share the plan of salvation with him? Should I tell him about God, what God did in my life? And he said, no, well, and as you know, we go through this thing in our head, and we say, well, you know, what, what if he says no? What if he got angry? What if he just pulled off the road and he get me out, and I'm still trying to hitchhike? Uh, might as well keep my mouth shut. Uh, and, and he was really going through this battle, and finally he succumbed to the Holy Spirit's voice, and he obeyed, and he shared Christ with this man, Mr. Hanover. And Mr. Hanover, after hearing the plan of salvation, he pulls the car to the side and he stops. And the boy said, Roger said, man, I knew it. He's going to throw me out. I'm going to be back on the highway trying to find a ride. But instead, to his utter amazement and surprise, Mr. Hanover bowed his head and prayed to receive Christ. Roger was so ecstatic, to say the least. Now, fast forward five years. Roger had gone home and was married by that time and had a two-year-old son, and, and he got a small business of his own. Five years. And he was planning to pack his bag to go to Chicago on business. And as he was packing his suitcase, he saw the card, Hanover Enterprises. And so he decided when he gets to Chicago, he's going to look him up. And he did. He goes to the receptionist and said, uh, ma'am, I want to meet Mr. Hanover, she said, it's impossible. He shows her the card. He said, I, I, he told me five years ago, he gave me this card. He said, whenever in Chicago, come and see me, and I really need to see him. And the lady finally ushered him into a beautiful furnished room in the office. And Roger found himself literally face to face with a keen-eyed lady in her late 50s. Mrs. Hanover asked him, how do you know my husband? He told her the whole story. He gave me a ride. Five years ago, I was hitchhiking. Nobody would stop, and he gave her the whole story. Mrs. Hanover asked him again, do you remember anything that happened that was unusual during that day? Roger kind of hesitated, but said, absolutely. It was May 7th, because it was the day when I got discharged from the army. And, and she said, anything else that you can remember that took place in that day. He said, uh, yes, ma'am, I, I shared the plan of salvation with him. I, I shared how Jesus can forgive his sins and heal him and forgive him and take him into eternity with him in heaven when he dies. And on hearing this, Mrs. Hanover exploded in sobs, so much so that literally was shaking her body. Then she getting grip on herself, still sobbing. She said, I had prayed for my husband salvation for years. I believed God is going to save him. God promised me that he's going to save him. And Roger said, uh, Mrs. Hanover, where is your husband? She said, he's dead. As she wept, struggling for words, he died in a car crash. Soon after, he let you off the car and never came home. Then she continued, I thought that God had not kept His promise to me. I had been angry with God for the last five years. I stopped walking with the Lord for the past five years in utter disappointment with God. My beloved friends, I don't know what God promised you, 
I don't know what excuse you're hanging on to and you're making. I don't know what is keeping you from obedience. I don't know. You do. I don't know the reason for your reluctance. I don't know. You do. Let me appeal to you. Stop making excuses. Start trusting God. For His name is I Am. Say it with me. His name is It's the same one who said to Moses, I will be with you. He's saying to everyone who loves him and everyone who put their trust in him, I will be with you. But there may be one person here today who never really placed their faith in Jesus, never received his forgiveness of sin, never confessed their sin, never took him as a Savior and Lord. That's your first step, and you can do that today. Will you pray with me? I'm so glad you're the searcher of the hearts. I'm not. Lord, I'm so glad you're the one who knows the end from the out, and you know the beginning from the end. You're the one who knows all sides of the issues, even if there are a hundred sides. And I'm so glad that we are in your hands. For the person who has never experienced the joy of forgiveness, I pray today will be their day. For those who have known you for a long time and being reluctant, putting off, or those who are angry with you because they think you haven't answered their prayers. Father, in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit, move among your people right now. Move among your people. Do something new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.